Once again, Naperville has been named one of the safest cities in America. Why is that? And as residents, how can we make sure it stays that way? Well, I'm going to answer those questions and more on this episode of the podcast. Welcome to Naperville Real Talk. My name is Chris Grano. I'm with Keller Williams Infinity right here in town, and I'm the host of the podcast. I'm so excited to bring today's guest with you. But before we do that, if you have enjoyed any episodes of this podcast so far, and please be sure to go back and listen. We've had some great guests up till this point. But if you've enjoyed it, do me a favor, subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to, or if you're watching on YouTube, leave us a great review if that platform has that option. And most of all, share it with a friend. We'd love everyone in Naperville to know about this podcast and the amazing guests that we feature here so that we can just be more connected as a community. I'm so excited for today's guest and the many, many more that we have coming. Without any further ado, let's get into today's episode. This is the city we call our own. These are the stories of the people we call our neighbors. This is the heartbeat of our hometown. Naperville, this is Real Talk. All right, welcome back to Naperville Real Talk. This is the podcast where we celebrate the people and the places that make Naperville a great place to call home. And I'm super excited to present today's guest. He is a 20-plus veteran of the Naperville Police Force. He is done just about every job there is to do within the department and just about a year and a half ago he was promoted to chief of police let me introduce chief jason aries jason thanks for joining the podcast hey chris thanks for having me absolutely so um you know we kind of i touched on in the intro and you know one of the things i think is is interesting about you is that you have done what it looks like pretty much every job there is to do within the department you've been undercover detective you started in patrol uh, you've led both the investigative side and the patrol side. Can you talk a little bit about what that does now that you're in this leadership position, how that helps you um, lead more effectively? Yeah, I think it's and I think it's twofold because there's a community facing piece to the job and then an internal piece. Right. So I'll start internally. I've been blessed, as you mentioned, it's very humbling to hear it with a lot of opportunities here at the police department. The only part I want to kind of add, because it was a super proud part, was the SWAT team I was on, both our internal and a regional team. And, I, and I, I, I'm deliberate about mentioning that because when one makes a decision to promote in any job that they have, they, I, they truly want to make sure they're comfortable taking that step into supervision. And as a leader, you want to have some depth to your experience. So when I made the decision to become a sergeant uh, or test to become a sergeant, I really did some intrinsic, you know, look at myself and it's like, do I have the knowledge and experience ready to help me lead men and women on the street in the variety of roles? So I answered my own question with a yes. And it was because I have that investigative side. And then the SWAT side was really important from the tactical side. And everybody thinks of SWAT as like, this aggressive police unit, when in actuality, SWAT a lot of times is slowing things down, having a plan and being safe, not only for the police department, but for the other side of that, whether that's someone in crisis, crime, it's, it's really handling that safely. So it's um, it has helped me a lot. Then in this job as chief, you're, you're advocating for training, equipment, resources, you know, to my boss, the city manager, but it's the city council as well. And that knowledge really helps me, let's say translate, because there's not 
police officers sitting on city council and the city manager while he has there's military experience on both council and with the city manager but it's important for me to then explain to those that I report to why we do need something and that experience really helps me connect those pieces so when you got into police work when you first started as a patrol officer I want to ask you kind of a twofold question number one is this what you always wanted to do as you were growing up and then number two when you did make that decision to you know become an officer is this something you saw down the line or were you just kind of you know getting started and we'll see what happens next no so actually I think maybe in the back of my head policing was there but for those that don't know I mean I have a bachelor's degree in math and my first two years, I graduated from Northern Illinois University. And my first two years out of college, I was, I was in a banking management training program with LaSalle and Amro. Great job, great people. But what I realized quickly is if I was going to work for the next 25, 30, 35 years, I wanted to have something. I thought everything was about money. You know, I thought it was about having a lot of money because I didn't grow up with a lot of money. I quickly realized it was for me, I wanted to give back and have some intrinsic value that I was providing to a community. I wanted to work with a community and I thought the best way to do that was policing. So I took the Naperville test and here I was. Now, was leadership something in my, everything I've done in my life, um, I know we had talked about this before, I've always had goals. So I had short-term and long-term goals, so yes, being chief one day was something that was definitely, I call it like almost like a moonshot goal, right? Or a long-term goal, something I wanted to strive for. So I had some, so this ship, my ship of life had some direction to it of what I was working towards. Otherwise, what are, you know, what do you, I couldn't, I'm an organized person. I needed to be working towards something, but undercover and SWAT were short-term goals that I'd worked to achieve. So all these things, um, were part of the plan, but I had other goals that veered off because other opportunities came up. So in life, you have to shift and pivot quite a bit and be flexible. So to have goals, but be flexible with your goals as well. Well, I'm glad you brought up the goals because that's obviously something I wanted to talk to you about. It's a kind of a nice segue into that topic. So um, I saw an interview with you and you said that one of your personal mantras is a life without goals is an endless journey to nowhere. And I love that. And I've heard kind of different spins on that type of thing, right? You know, like if you, you know, aim for aim for nothing, you'll you'll hit nothing every time or, you know, wow, things like, like things like that. Right. And um, so you talked a little bit about what your goals were, um, where they first started out. Right. OK, it's about money because I think that's important. And then you kind of shift your goals, which I think is important. It's a good lesson to teach everyone that it's OK if your goals change throughout your life. Mm-hmm. Um what are your goals now? You know, now both professionally, maybe personally, um, short term and long term, you know, whatever you're kind of comfortable sharing. Oh, yeah, of course. I think short term, let's stick with professionally first is Chief Marshall prepared me greatly for this job. But like any job until you're doing it, you really don't know what the job entails. So I'm still trying to shape myself as chief and my short-term goal is just to be the best chief and best leader for the great employees of the police department and this great community we live in so that's through classes that's through experience that's through connecting with our employees in the community so really just increasing that 
knowledge is achieved, and I guess that's kind of personal and professional at the same time. For the department, we're under short term, it, we're under a huge technology overhaul. Without getting too much into what the program is, our lifeblood as an agency is CAD RMS. It's the technology system, computer-aided dispatching, records management system. So when a 911 dispatcher takes a call, they you work with the CAD system. That CAD information from the dispatchers then relayed to the officers in the field through a mobile data program basically, and that's our life in the car, guiding us to the call, what's going on at the call, a lot of information in there. And then the records management side is essentially the file cabinet where the police reports and all the information, citations, all those things that electronic documentation of what you will is stored and and that is a monster 15 to 20 year project like once we acquire the new system that should be something that hopefully maybe 15 to 20 still like 10 to 20 year project so we and that that's a huge overhaul you know we're, we're a little overdue for that so we're in the middle of that right now and then we have a radio system that has a mandated upgrade that is going to be a massive project as well so short term it's really updating those technologies then you get into succession planning. We have quite a few officers that have age and years for retirement. Leadership development, succession planning. I mean, you, you talk about there's a lot of things going on and recruitment, finding ways to recruit. Personally, um, proud father of two daughters, 14 and nine, and proud husband of my wife. We're actually, this, is, this year will be our 20th anniversary. So wow. it's continuing to grow in that role as a leader, as a father and a husband because that never changes. There is no book written on how to handle <laughs> life, being a husband, being a father. So every day it's trying to just find ways to better myself there. So how do those w worlds interact? How do they, uh, is it, it's got to be tough, right? It's tough for any, any father, any mother, working mother, father, right, to, to separate sometimes. But I have to ask you with, with what you do, and I know, you know, Naperville maybe is not, involved in some of the same types of crimes and situations at the same volume as maybe other bigger or different types of cities are. But you still probably are dealing with some stressful situations um, and, and hearing the and just all of the administrative and leadership and planning that you're talking about. Are you able to separate and kind of calm down when you get home and just come home and be dad? Is that hard? Early in my career, that's why we waited a little longer to have kids, so I was happy about that because earlier in my career, it was difficult. And if you talk to my wife, who I started dating in college, so she knew pre-police officer Jason Aries, uh, to now, she, she can talk about some of the changes because you're right, Naperville isn't a big city that has murder after murder after murder, shooting after shooting right. after shooting. But here's an interesting fact for the show today. The average human being in their lifetime will experience, I think the number is two to five critical incidents in their whole life. The average police officer in a town like Naperville will have over 200 critical incidents wow. on average that they experience in a 200. Yeah. So you wonder where PTSD and those things come from. So you learn, and the key is having outlets. For me, it's exercise. Uh, I'm not afraid to talk to people about what we've seen, because I have seen some gruesome scenes. Yeah. So it is hard, but like anything you experience in life, you gain that experience on how to turn things on and turn things off between the two places. And now when I am quiet at home or something goes on, my family doesn't take it as something they did because that can be confusing. You know, sure. you don't want to talk about what you saw. You want that disconnection, but then you're withdrawn from people. Well, I've learned how to overcome that, 
but also communicate that to like my wife, like, hey, it's been that kind of day. And she has been a great partner in keeping that balance and learning that it's not anything from the family side of things. Something probably happened at work. I know that's probably always been, to some extent, a resource to officers and folks in the department, right, to, to deal with those issues. But would you say in the last five, ten years, maybe just as the whole awareness of mental health has grown in our country, um, that those opportunities have increased for your staff to be able to try to work through some of those tough issues that they might encounter? Yeah, 100%. Because when I say, you know, 20, this is my 22nd year in policing, you had to be the big, tough cop that didn't talk, didn't laugh, didn't cry, you know, was, you got to deal with these things. And that's why you see, and it's still sad, how many, you know, officers are dying at their own hands more than they're dying in felonious attacks. I mean, and yeah. that's something we really have to have to work on as a profession. But we have a great peer support group here that's really kind of knocked those walls down. It has full support from the administration. Um, and that is something we will continue to work towards and grow in taking care of our, our folks because it is a difficult job. And, and our folks are more willing to talk now. I mean, we, Chief Marshall, really pushed the mental health initiative further than it's gone when he was here. And you know, my job now is to pick it up and continue it moving forward. But when we first had peer support, it wasn't something officers it was a foreign concept and nobody wanted to talk. Well, our peer support team has grown exponentially. And, you know, I don't have information on who because I don't want that. But we have the resources in place and I know our folks are using it. That's great. That's good for, I think, the community members to know that that's an important part of what you're doing. So that, you know, because we want we want our officers to be in the best, you know, physical, mental shape that they can be in. So that you know, all of our interactions with them are positive, and that we feel like they're supported, you know, in making our community safer. Um, so you kind of mentioned it before, and, and on that, you know, Naperville is really continually rated again and again and again, no matter you know what different websites or publications you look at, as one of the safest cities in America. You know, particularly of its size. Um, what do you attribute that to? You know, and how do we keep it going over the next 10, 20, 30, 40 years? There's a lot of things, but I think I'll sum it up in one word, and that's partnership and support. That was two words. <laughs> um, it takes a partnership between a police department and a community to make a town safe. So we have the support from the community to get the resources, the caliber of officer we're looking for, the equipment we need from the community. But the community is very engaged. And that is so, so critical because as proactive as we are and as much as we try to be everywhere and predict where crimes are going to be, it takes that community that's willing to pick up the phone when they see something suspicious and call 911 or they see some dangerous condition, maybe someone driving dangerously and erratically on the roadway, plug in situation X here. And again, as much as we can try to be everywhere, we can't. It's, it's an, it literally, and I don't speak in absolutes, it's impossible for us to be everywhere at every minute. So by our, our citizens taking that role and our community members are saying, eh, this doesn't seem right, I'm gonna call 911, that partnership and working together really helps keep Naperville as safe as it is. Yeah, I mean, I was gonna ask you another question which you kind of hit on is that it, is, it's, it takes both, right? Because um, you know, I've heard it said different ways, right? But oftentimes we might say, um, police are there to respond to incidents, not necessarily to prevent them. Now, obviously, there's things that you can do through enforcement um, and through education to try to prevent crimes from happening. But you, like you said, you can't be everywhere. 
Um, are, are there just general, you know, tips, um, things that you can give to residents uh, just as regular citizens that they can do to just continue to do that? And are there other opportunities um, to get involved with the police department on a citizen level to help as well? Oh, yeah, there's tons. And I guess the biggest message, because I'm really trying to knock this barrier down, is I can't tell you how many chats I go to, community meetings, and I hear, you know, I saw this, but I didn't want to bother you guys. Or I didn't. <laughs> we are paid to be bothered. Yeah. Like, that is our job. So call us. We wouldn't know about it. There's, there's not special training you get to, like, if something doesn't look right, your life experience is telling you that seems off. It probably is. That's not, we don't go to the police academy for Spidey Sense 101, you know? <laughs> if your Spidey Senses go off, it's probably something you should call us for. We'll check it out. Guess what? If it's nothing, then it was nothing. And if it was something, well, now we have a leg up. Or maybe you say, hey, I see this blue car behind this pizza place, and it's like two in the morning, um, and I'm just getting back in town. It seemed out of place to me. It seemed weird. Um, just wanted to share that with you guys. Well, what if that's a burglary that's going on? And yeah. now because of your phone call at two in the morning, we now know it was a blue vehicle because maybe the vehicle's gone before we get there. And then we leverage some of the technologies we have through license plate readers or other things to say, wow, this blue vehicle hit off our license plate reader at 111th and 59, right around that time. All that plays into keeping our town safe. So that's the biggest barrier to overcome is call us. Okay. And then what about some of those like unique opportunities to actually get involved um, in terms of citizen training programs and things like that? Um, yeah, we have tons. We have the Citizens Police Academy. And one of the things that we added a couple of years ago was actually an online menu of all the classes we teach as a police department. I'm really trying to push the marketing behind that because it's free. So whether it's workplace violence safety, internet safety, financial crime security, you know, preventing yourself from um, how to best lock down to be prevent being victimized by identity theft. We probably have a presentation for it or could develop one if it's something unique we hadn't heard of. We have some great folks here. You get, sometimes it's me that shows up. Sometimes it's our crime prevention specialist. Sometimes it's our detectives or a combination of all of those. So it's really just leveraging that and going online and asking for that and better educating yourself because the more you know, the better you can secure yourself, your property, your family from being victimized. Yeah, I love how you guys have so many options and, and you talked about some of the chats, community chats and things like that that you guys do very frequently. Um, you know, there's like, there's this, uh, a national, I don't know what it is, last 10, 15 years, there's a big conversation, right, about how police officers interact with the public. And we can all think of, you know, particular news stories or whatever they are. And, you know, sometimes um, that relationship is strained. And so I think it's fantastic that you guys are doing everything you can to to show like, hey, we're we're here. We're part of your community. We're trying to equip you. And so that it, it is a teamwork thing. Um, you know, what are the some of the things that you do you find challenges in any of those things in trying to overcome those barriers of maybe people have the wrong, have a misconception about how police in Naperville interact with our citizens? Oh, absolutely. Because while none of us want to be painted with the broad brush of the few bad apples, it's just natural. 
yeah. uh, that that's going to happen. I think that's human nature. You, you see something on the news and anytime I see a bad police incident, I'm like, oh my gosh. And I would love to say, and I do say, judge us on our actions in Naperville. Here's what we're doing to prevent situation X. Yeah. You're not seeing that happen in Naperville and here's why and we partner. but. That's what those community presentations are for. That's what the Citizens Police Academy is for. That's what the chat with the chief is for. It is on us to get out there in the community and answer easy questions, tough questions, talk about those things. So that's part of what comes with the job is, you know, that's the accountability piece. How are we as a police department working towards preventing situation X, Y, or Z, but also how we're being innovative and that's why I love the Citizens Police Academy and, and we offer it twice a year and I would really love for anyone that's listening to get on the wait list if you can't get in to the next, well, this spring is already full, so sorry folks. I just saw one of my <laughs> friends just got in, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but the fall, you know, you can when the fall session comes up, register because I haven't met a person that hasn't been blown away. And it's not me, it's the men and women working here and doing the phenomenal work, but all that we are so much more the patrol division is the heartbeat of the police department right when you call us that's who's coming but the services the training everything we do to prepare to safely protect this community and its community members you really get the depth of that and understand it but going back to what you said that's part of my job my staff's job and that's what community policing is about letting our residents get to know us where they're like wow well, i know chief aries and officer x and they're not like that in their department. When, when you have the community advocating for you, that's where you're building that trust. But that's an everyday thing. That's an everyday thing. Yeah, and I think, you know, part of that is, um, as a parent, right, I think of it as my responsibility to try to teach my kids that too, right? So, you know, I've got, I mean, little kids, right? But even at age five and six, you know, my son, when we go to community events, I try to introduce him to an officer, let him know, oh, he's here to help you, and or he or she are here to help you, and, you know, they have a really hard job, and, you know, and you can trust them, you know? And so you, I think you that's part of it is trying to, from, from all angles, you know, I know in schools, right? I know that you guys will go out to the elementary schools and the middle schools and things like that, and, and they do things with the fire department as well. And so I think it's great to... Um, to really build that together. And then when that relationship is so uh, thick, you know, then I think that just increases the accountability all the more, right? It does. Yeah. So, all right, so I want to ask you kind of a personal question. So, um, so you mentioned earlier that fitness was a big outlet for you. So, um, you know, fitness is, is a, always something on our minds. Tell us a little bit about what's your routine look like? Yeah, so in, during COVID, I, I never liked running. Hated it. I grew up playing football and baseball, so th that was good for me because it wasn't a ton of long distance running. Yeah. I picked up running during COVID. And I, in 2021, I ran my first marathon. Wow. So now I'm, I'm an avid runner. I actually love it. It really helps clear my mind. So three days a week, Tuesday, Thursday, usually, and then Saturday, I run. And usually it's on Tuesdays and Thursdays right now, it's six to seven miles. And then on Saturdays, it's 10 to 12. Cause I'm trying to keep that base to do another marathon. My goal is to do another marathon this year. Um, and then the other days I CrossFit because, okay. you know, I, I'm a big believer in, you know, you have to have some strength in there and CrossFit keeps that heart rate up. So there's some, it helps the running aspect of it too. So it's, I work out six days a week, three are CrossFit, three are running. So is it, is it hard to get into that? Um, you know, is it hard to get up some mornings and do that when you've had a long, you know, day the night before? Is that what you typically do it in the morning or, or are you more evening time? 
Yeah, I'm usually up by 5, 5.30 at the latest. And we have a great gym here. And I love my runs uh, during the week. I'll run through Naperville because I just love running through the community and, and seeing the community. And Saturday, I run back home. It is tough. Like tonight, I have city council. And depending on how late it goes, but I finally, after all these years, have the mental discipline where it's like push through, get up and go. And you feel so much better for it. But yes, there are definitely days where I may be scrolling social media a little longer than I want in my bed when I'm tired before I get up. But I eventually get up and then I'm in here and feel all the better for it. And you, you know, you have the rest of your day in front of you then. Yeah. Yeah. There's a group of guys I work out with. Uh, you've probably heard of F3 in Naperville. Oh, yeah. Um, and so, you know, one of the mantras there is, you know, do the hardest thing you're going to do all day, you know, first thing. Right. You know, I mean, make it. And then, like you said, you, you sets the whole stage for the rest of the day. Um, so you mentioned and I want to you mentioned early on about one of your jobs and one of your goals is recruiting. So and I actually talked to you offline about this maybe a month ago. But, you know, talk about the difficulty um, that we're seeing nationwide in recruiting. And I know you, you're seeing it here in Naperville as well. So, you know, what's going on in terms of the numbers and Maybe do you have insight on why recruiting is down? So the numbers are low and we were an anomaly in 2020 when we had actually 800 people apply in the Naperville police to, to be Naperville police officers. Now, anytime you have that many apply, we only ended up having 450 actually take the test, but it was still a lot of people. And that list had, I believe it was in the 300s. Um, we had averaged over, if you were asking me like the last 10 years pre this year, um, and outside of that 2020 anomaly where we had a, a lot of people, we were probably in the 250 range for a list. This last list ended up with 17 people on it. We had about 170 some apply. I believe half didn't complete the application fully for one reason or another. 34 take the test and 17 pass. Wow. And that's a list that was supposed to last for two years. Yeah. So we're back to, there's gonna be another test that where applications are open again. Now we've been able to leverage and balance that with lateral transfers from other departments, which we are a destination department, being the third largest city and one of the biggest police departments in the state. We have robust specialty assignments with detectives, our own SWAT team, drone team, tons of different areas that you can really get involved in where smaller departments just don't, so that's a benefit. Um, so that's been able to stabilize it where we're not like at a huge deficit of officers that we're looking to hire, but it still is concerning to me that that problem is there. And, you know, I, I'll be honest, I would be speculating, but I feel like there's some educated speculation going on on my part. And I think it, this last test, I think it's twofold. Number one, it was a job market like we've never seen in the yeah. fall where I think part of what we've seen in the past is someone goes to school, the job market's not real robust for whatever their degree was in. And they're like, wow. And they kind of like me, you know, hey, maybe policing in the back of my head is something I want to do. I would love to give back to my community. And what better way to give back than to protect it and serve it? Um, so I don't know that we had that as many of those. And I think any of us would be remiss to say there's a lack of support nationwide and a negative rhetoric about being the police. And you're seeing laws against, I don't want to say, yeah, that are that are making policing tougher. And it seems like yeah. there's a lack of support. And 
you know, let's be honest, even in Naperville, it's a job that you could potentially have to give your life for and sacrifice your life for. And in making a quick decision, you're going to be judged by a lot of people after the fact when your decisions are being made in such a stressful in the moment scenario. Um, there's that fear of, wow, if I make a split second decision the wrong way because I thought I was protecting someone else or myself and I could end up not just gone, but in jail. Yeah. Um, I think that narrative is pushed a lot and has maybe soured some folks. Now, that isn't the reality of it. So it's our job again to get out there and recruit, go against that narrative, the community, you know, we need community support. We're trying to diversify our department and, you know, explaining to different communities why it's beneficial to be a police officer and how good it feels and how safe it is in Naperville and all that training. You know, I could go on and on, but it's work. We didn't have to work as hard as we did in the past as we do now. And now it's thinking outside the box and finding different ways to make sure we still have enough bodies um, to hire to protect this community. You know, and I'm speculating as well, but, but this is just, and it's not necessarily even related to policing, but just overall, it feels like, and I'll say this is a positive for Naperville, I think. Naperville is a very engaged city, right? The, I mean, if you look at people across town, you know, then just the number of not-for-profit organizations we have, you know, in town, based in town, and then just at any given moment, you know, people are involved. I have friends, you know, that serve on multiple boards for, for organizations around town. I know you serve on uh, Kids Matter, right? Yeah. And um, I mean, so people are just so, so involved. But I think our culture is less engaged overall in 2023. I think it's fair to say that than 20, 30, 40 years ago. I think some of that's technology. You know, we're naturally becoming disengaged. It's easy to be in our little bubble and look at our phone and, you know, we can work from home now. We don't we don't even have to talk to people anymore. You know, well, look at us right now. Right. right. <laughs> and and so I think it's I think sometimes the, the less people feel connected to their neighbors, then maybe that desire to serve them isn't isn't as strong. You know, as it was, and then you add on top of it the issues that you that you mentioned. I think it's it makes it tough. So, I'm glad that you're that you're, you know, that you guys are recognizing that. And and just to point out for the viewers and, and listeners, I'm sure they know this, but this isn't just a Naperville problem. This is a a nationwide problem. Um, it is. Yeah. And you know, I want to I want to add one more thing because you you sparked something that I think is we're also in an age where everyone can work from home. Yeah. The benefits have caught up. Um, in terms of time off, you know, everything is about quality of life, which is a great thing now. It's a shift work. We're 24 seven, 365. There isn't, you can't be a patrol officer or a detective from home. You know, oh, yeah. you have to, because, yeah. and I mentioned that because fire, our, my, my partner next door, Chief, Chief Pugnitis is, they're having recruiting issues in the fire industry as well. So it's not just necessarily unique to the police, like some of the things I had talked about. I think part of it is that the shift work, the, like I said, one of the benefits of working in government in the past was you got more time off, the pension, which you're paying right. into, but there still was the pension at the end. There's so many private sector companies have caught up to that, um, that that has lost some of it. So we have to reinvent ourselves and because and, we, it, there is always going to be a need for public safety. So it's how do we reinvent ourselves? How do we overcome these and work through that together? So you mentioned, you know, 
some of the things that are challenging um, in terms of recruiting, in terms of just perception of police, some of the news stories, but also some, you know, in reality and all across the country, there's different types of uh, legislation that's being passed that, um, you know, some some of it, maybe it's good reform. Some of it, maybe it's over over reform and, and making it difficult. You know, I, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you about it. I know you talk about it probably every single day for the last six months, but um, the Safety Act is a big concern for a lot of Illinois residents. Uh, it's a, become a big political, you know, hot button issue, and I don't think it needs to be political. Um, I think there's we should always scrutinize any new laws that that come into place. You, um, I know we're kind of in a, a point where things aren't necessarily determined yet. There's some legal challenges, but can you kind of give us an update, at least here in Naperville and DuPage County, on where things stand right now with the legislation itself, for, from your perspective at least, and then how since its implementation at the first of this year, have you seen any changes you know, that your department's responding to? So I, I like to point out, everybody's attributing the Safety Act to this January, but it actually started in July of 2021. Like people forget it was initially passed in the early hours of the morning, three, four, five o'clock in the morning a couple of years ago, and there were pieces okay. that kicked in that July. That's a good and point. And some of it, Makes sense. Like body cameras. There you go. Body cameras became part of that legislation. And and we were already on the path to getting body cameras prior to it becoming law. But I think there's some these are not perfect by any means, but it is a great way to gather the best evidence um, and, and get film of the scenarios and, and the audio of what went on. Um, there, there's some laws that needed to be put in there that our department has had in policy for years and years and years, like something as simple as duty to intervene. You know, if, if someone's engaging, if a police officer is engaging in something outside of policy or the law and another police officer sees it, they should intervene and stop that. Sure. Seems commonsensical. Um, we've seen situations where that hasn't happened, unfortunately, but that's been in our policy for years. But surprisingly, there's a lot of departments in the state that didn't have that, so now it became a law. So there's, there's pieces to the legislation I understand, some I don't, but we have been working, so I help, I'm on the Illinois Chiefs Legislative Committee and we've been working in partnership as Illinois Chiefs, the state's attorneys, the Sheriff's Association with the legislators to try to clean up pieces of the bill, having those conversations of what are you trying to accomplish? How will that affect your ability to police and how can we find a middle ground? Same thing with cash bail. I can't comment on the cash bail or the misdemeanor changes that kicked in this year because there's a stay on it right now. Mm. Um, so I can't even tell you, did I have concerns? Yes, but I know Bob Berlin, who I work closely with, was on a team to make some changes to that. And, and he's probably a better one to speak to about the cash bail piece because that's the court side of it. So I would say as long as the right folks that are committing bad crimes are being held so they're not back out in society re-victimizing folks, um, then I would say that's a way to evaluate if it's working. But it never kicked in the changes this year. Uh, so I can't even comment on it because we haven't seen it yet. Okay. Yeah. So a little bit of two what's to come. We'll see. Um, to talk a little bit about, you know, so I, again, and as policing is evolving and, and it's the way it interfaces with the community, talk about some of the things that the NPD is doing in terms of helping combat issues like homelessness, uh, mental health issues, drug abuse, some of these things where I think a lot of communities are starting to take a more holistic approach. Um, can you speak to that a little bit about what you guys are doing? Sure. It's 
I think each one of those warrants its own thing, but I guess I will say community partnerships are the biggest way to do that because, and I, I heard a speaker say this once, and there's been a few chiefs years ago that have said it, whenever there's a problem and we can't figure out where it goes, who do people call? They call the police. Like I never realized when I took the job, you know, 22 years ago, you know, homelessness and the, and the mental health stuff that we would have to deal with. Now we've learned to adapt and deal with those issues, but it's all about partnership too. And you mm -hmm. mentioned all the great organizations we have in Naperville. So from the homelessness perspective, it's trying to get that individual or individuals help and resources they need to overcome that. We work a lot with DuPage pads um, in terms of getting someone placed, getting temporary shelter, and, and then hopefully working them to full shelter and overcoming whatever that cause was for the homelessness. But sometimes there's mental health tied into that. So then we partner, you know, we have three social workers and a counselor that work full-time on our staff here at the PD. Hmm. So in the past, they had just followed up on mental health calls. So our officers would go to the situation, triage it, short-term help, and then our folks would come in, almost like detectives do when they're assigned a case, and work with that family or that individual, making sure they have the resources they need. But now they're in the car with our police officers during our peak call for service time uh, for mental health calls. They're wearing bulletproof vests, and they're going to in-progress mental health calls with us. That's great. In the moment, de-escalate this, help de-escalate the situation, get those resources moving and make that connection with that person. Then you get into the drug side and it's all about diversionary programs. If someone um, has an addiction, where can they go for help? And having us having those resources to connect them with treatment or a family with treatment, um, or getting Narcan, so on and so forth. Just finding different ways to leverage community partners. Because again, it's not just a police thing. And a lot of these aren't, aren't criminal in nature. So how do you, it's social wellness issues. So how do we help these individuals get the right resources with the end goal of getting these folks the help they need to thrive? That's, that's gotta be beneficial to your officers too, who are to have those resources at their fingertips. They're probably expanding their knowledge base on some of these issues deeper than maybe, maybe officers in other towns or cities would have the ability to do. Yeah, agreed. And, and that, again, having those really helps them effectively and efficiently do their jobs. It's not perfect. I don't want to make it seem like everything is perfect, but definitely a step ahead of the curve. And, and, and they're doing a great job in navigating these very tough calls. That's great. So you talked about the community partnerships and talk a little bit just for folks who maybe just are curious about the logistics of it. Um, how does Naperville Police interface with surrounding communities, um, other law enforcement agencies. Um, are, are some of the tech that I was just curious about this when you were talking about the, the systems and databases that you're upgrading, will that help you connect better with surrounding communities or higher law enforcement agencies like um, FBI, you know, things like that? It's a lot to unpack there. There's a lot of questions <laughs> built into that one. So I will say this, what's really cool is Everybody at this PD, whether it's a detective, a sergeant, a commander, myself and the deputy chiefs, we're all parts of groups and associations for networking, right? Because when an issue comes up in our community or our department, it's always nice. Someone else, in most cases, has dealt with that or worked towards a solution to that. Yeah. So there's great partnerships there, like detectives especially. If there's a certain type of crime that's going in around the Chicagoland area, they're all parts of different groups 
based on what their specialty is, you know, the violent crimes detectives or property crimes, financial crimes, the drug unit folks, they have resources out there and they'll have meetings and intel sharing to keep ahead of the curve and keep that, that, um, that knowledge base high and getting that intel in to proactively get out there and maybe prevent that crime from happening in Naperville that we've heard is happening in other communities. From the, from the chief and deputy chiefs and leadership side, it's just talking about exactly that. Hey, what technologies have you utilized to best safeguard your city or what, what, what's your policy look like around this? So it's that networking is great uh, out there. And then networking with community partners, you know, if you need something and there's an expert out there, like let's say a financial crimes detective has a question. Well, obviously there's so many financial institutions and partners out there that it's, there's a lot you can partner with in Naperville to help each other. I think I hit most of what was in there. No, oh, yeah. No, we, have something else. we have someone assigned to the DEA and we have someone assigned to the FBI. Okay. The uh, JTTF, which is a Joint Terrorism Task Force. He's a liaison for that. So, and then the drug side. So, you know, staying on top of, and, and when I say drug issue, I don't mean Naperville drug issue, but just the drug issue and staying ahead of the curve there. And then the FBI liaison we have that works with the FBI is critical for information sharing, like you mentioned. So with all our special events and the potential for things in any big community, having that liaison working uh, on loan to the FBI and still as a resource to us, it's the best of both worlds with that information flow to both those federal agencies. And they're great partners. And I should say we partner with this, I forgot, we partner with the Secret Service as well. We have a Secret Service um, agent who, if they need to have a temporary working area, we have a desk carved out for them where they'll come in and work out of our office and, and have access. And it's a great partnership for the various functions. You know, Secret Service is big into financial crimes. You know, besides everybody thinks executive protection, but there's a big financial crimes piece to their job and other stuff. So having all these resources and partnerships, there isn't a federal agency we don't have a good partnership. Those are the three that we have people involved directly with. Um, but there's a bunch of other ones. So we're constantly leveraging our partnerships with the goal. And everybody has the same goal, protect our communities. That's so fascinating. I think it's great that, you know, and I, it sounds to me, again, like there's some unique things about Naperville, you know, again, just kind of tying it back to the community that people, that there's opportunities here for us to do that, you know, and I, and this is maybe kind of a pitch, right, for folks who, for, for the recruiting, right? I mean, there are some neat opportunities within our department here in Naperville that, that may not exist in other surrounding towns. That so, is a fact, yep. So tell us a little bit about uh, where we can see you next. I can't, I don't know exactly when this podcast will be dropping, but maybe over the course of the next couple of months, um, where's more some of the next chats with the chief um, and things that NPD is going to be out that we can meet some officers and, and just learn more about you. Yeah, for sure. So we do usually about four chat with the chiefs a year. We did our first one um, in January. And so we'll be moving forward with the next one sometime in quarter two. And our first one was um, uh, at Sweetwater coffee's downtown Naperville. Yeah. So we'll probably push the next one to either the southwest or southeast side of the city. We try to get to the four corners of the town to really make sure we, we have a chance or our residents have a chance to have a direct conversation with uh, myself and my, my staff. Um, there's National Night Out in August. There's the Public Safety Open House in September. Uh, there's plenty of, we'll come to block parties. If you have an HOA meeting, like I said, really the best way is you can ask us to come. And that is simply going through, you know, our website and you'll see request an online present or not an online request a presentation. 
and you literally fill out the form as telling us what you would like to hear and then we'll come to you too. I mean, this week I'll be at, um, this time it's me and I'll be at the Tallgrass Homeowners Association hmm. meeting um, to present. Sometimes it might not be me, it might be a deputy chief or a commander, but we're there and we want to get out there like we talked about earlier, meet me, meet the staff, meet the officers, hear what we're focused on, similar to what you and I are talking about here. Sometimes it gets a little more granular if there's a specific topic, but there's there's a lot of ways to get get out in front of us and come see us. I think that's an amazing resource that we have. I'm so grateful that you and your team do that. So I would encourage definitely the viewers and listeners take advantage of those opportunities. Um, I'm already kind of thinking ways that I might be able to do that as well. Um, Jason, thanks for your time today. Thank you for your service to our community. Um, oh, thank you. And we're looking forward to seeing you can continued success and uh, seeing you out around town. Thanks, Chris. This was a lot of fun. I, I would get in a lot of trouble with our communications folks if I didn't mention two plugs. Do it. I know a lot of people aren't, you know, Facebook is something probably more in our age bracket now. I know the young kids are Snap, <laughs> Face, Insta, whatever, you right, know. Right. <laughs> I'm kidding. Snapchat or Instagram. Um, but we do have a Facebook page. We push a lot of information out on that. I am looking to ex expand the social media platform this year. You may see Chief Aries Instagram account coming out so I can connect with the younger yeah. population. Seriously, that's important love it. for no, us. I love it, yeah, it's great. To adjust, um, we have our website, and then I always like Naper Notify. I always like to plug that because if we do yeah. have a big incident going on or we push out some public safety notifications, it's the best way to stay connected with what's going on with the police department. And as simple as, hey, there's gonna be a chat with the chief uh, in a week at this area, you'll, you'll stay up to speed on everything going on with the PD. So between Facebook, uh, and Naper Notify, two easy ways to really find out what's going on with the PD. Awesome. Yeah, I could, couldn't agree more. Naper Notify is incredibly valuable. Uh, I always love when I see that pop up. It's just, I just feel like I'm being informed, you know, connected to the community. So looking forward to Chief Aries' Instagram. I'm going to friend request you, so make sure you look out for that. I don't even think it's called friend request. Like you said, we're, we're old guys here. But uh, yeah, anyway, right. <laughs> th thanks again, and uh, looking forward to talking to you another time. Thanks, Jason. You as well, Chris. Take care.